question for you about wisdom. Would you consider yourself to be wise? How would you define wisdom? What's the wisest thing? Ma'am, do you know if you could give me some wisdom? Can you give me some wisdom, just a piece of wisdom? You're not standing in a very safe place. So move from where I'm standing. Yeah. That's wise. All right, today we are continuing our series on Before Google. We're looking at the wisdom found in the book of Proverbs, and I do have to say this. I'm glad that I uh, broke the uh, sermon up last week and said I was just going to focus on husbands and wives, and now I'm going to focus on dads, moms, and children today. And even today, I feel like I have so much here. We'll try to get through all of it, but I'm really glad that I split it uh, apart. If you missed uh, last week's, I would just encourage you, uh, please watch online. I love that we have those available online. And we noticed in the summer with the uh, closing of our Apple Valley campus, uh, summer and closing of the campus, online viewing went up about 400%. So to all of you at home, we miss you. And uh, all right, so, but it's good to see. Please get caught up. That's a great tool that we have them online. But I want to say that uh, as I talk about dads and moms today, um, I'm, I'm, I may say parents, and I'm going to lump them together, uh, but I want to be very clear that uh, Proverbs talks to dads, it talks to moms. Uh, I want to be very clear that it, uh, when I say parents, I, we are in full support and think the best home uh, to be raised in is a home with a dad and a mom, and there's huge value in a dad and a mom that in an intact family. Uh, study after study after study have shown that uh, a child that grows up in an intact home with a dad and a mom uh, is more likely to attend college, they're more uh, emotionally adjusted, um, they're less likely to do drugs, uh, they're less likely to be abused, they're less likely to commit crimes. Um, there's so much there, study after study after study, there's too much there to deny, uh, but the world will try. They'll say, like, it doesn't matter, but dads and moms play an important role. And uh, as we go into this uh, sermon, I do want to say this to the single parents. We understand that reality. It happens all the time, and our church uh, really does whatever we can to help single parents to parent their children. Uh, we are for you. Uh, many of us have a glimpse for a weekend or a couple days where we're like, I'm solo parenting it. And in those moments, God just places the burden, like, remember those that are doing it day in, day out. And uh, I just heard an amen from our youth pastor. He knows what I'm talking about. All right. And he always looks sleep deprived. That's all I'm saying. But, uh, but I want to say this. We, we are there. And the church will help fill in the gaps that we can. And uh, we are for you. Uh, we want to help you to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. And uh, I would say this. If you're a single parent, if it is possible, uh, as much as is possible, have your children involved with their other parent uh, if it is possible. I will never forget being in divorce court. Uh, Beck and I went and sat in on divorce court, and we were there, sadly, with somebody from our church begging them to reconcile, and they didn't. And uh, we were in the court, and I remember the judge was looking around, and he's looking at his caseload, and he's looking, he's going, one, two, three families left, four couples here. And he looks at us, and he goes, are you here for the right reason? You look happy. And we're like, no, we're, we're here for the two angry ones over there. Okay, but anyways, um, I will never forget, I was watching this judge, and uh, this one mom, she said, well, my children, and the judge, bam, slams his gavel down, and he goes, stop it. 
They're your children. They have a mom and a dad. I need both of you to work together. You may not stay married, but you gotta work together to raise these kids. I won't tolerate it again, my children. They're your children together. I was like, wow. It just drove it home in me. And uh, it just, do whatever you can to keep them involved uh, in the life of their parent. Uh, Even if there's bad custody issues, do everything you can. And and we could go on to a whole nother sermon about that. How many of the children don't come with a, uh, a manual? You know, come with a manual. I can remember when they told us that we could take Connor, our oldest son, home. And I was like, that's it? Like, we, we, you know, we're, we're good to go? Like, do we have to pass a test? You know, like, and they're like, no, you're good to go. And uh, really, this was back when the insurance was really messy. And 20 hours after he was born, we were out of the hospital with him and uh, brought him home that night, and I was terrified. I mean, I was like, keep the mosquitoes away! And, and I was running into the house with them, and then I, I just stood there like, oh, Lord, please. And again, my parents became so smart in that moment. And uh, they don't come with a, a manual, but how many thank God for the book of Proverbs? How many thank God for parents that are there to uh, help you? And I will tell you this, be careful what you Google about parenting. I'm just going to tell you this right now. I can tell you, uh, apart from just the fact that anybody can put anything on Google, um, there has been a trend recently now that social media is starting to sanitize sites. You may not realize this, but Twitter, Instagram, Facebook will sanitize. If they don't agree with your political view, if they don't agree with your social commentary, they will uh, sanitize it. And you'll, you're, you might be wondering, like, how come nobody else wants to parent this way? Uh, perhaps that may be sanitized off of social media. I'm not trying to start a conspiracy, but I'm telling you this is happening. And so if we're going to look at what we should do with parenting, let's look at the Word of God. And so in Proverbs, probably the the most popular passage that is uh, quoted by parents when it comes to parenting is Proverbs 22.6. I have it in the NIV translation. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And some would say, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're, not, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. I got to tell you, parent after parent after parent just sees that one in Proverbs. And usually they're claiming that for a wayward child. Usually they have a child that has wandered away from the faith, maybe a rebellious teenager, and they see that one and they are like, man, we trained them up in the way they should go. When they were younger, they were in church. And I'm believing God that they will come back to faith. They will come back to the fold. Now, I want to tell you this. This passage is not a get-out-of-jail-free card, okay? This isn't just like a, if you pray it and quote it and say it over and over again, it's a guarantee that your kids will come back to the fold. But it's a great principle here. It's telling us the way to parent. And there's something here that says about the way you raise up your child that it's so important. And I would say the first principle in this is to start early. Start early. When I see this, it says start children off in the way they should go. Start early. I mean, a lot of people want to start when their kids are, are teenagers or a little bit later. You start early. And then the other thing that I would tell you that I see that as a principle from Proverbs 22.6 in raising your children is to live it yourself. You've got to know the way to go to teach the way to go. Train up a child in the way they should go, what way they should go. And usually it's the way that you're going is the way they're going. They're on the journey with you. And when you look at this scripture, when it says start children off or train up a child, it means to dedicate the child. 
Dedicate the child to what God has for them. Dedicate them for what God wants to accomplish through him or her. It's saying uh, to say, God, they're yours, and I understand now that I've been given the responsibility to train them up, and they are now dedicated to you. And it, it would be very similar to how a building would be dedicated. Uh, as a pastor, I get to go to different building dedications and grand openings, and I always thank God for Chick-fil-A openings and, you know, different things. I've been invited to a few, and, and uh, you know, they might say, hey, could you say a prayer with the team? Or sometimes, you know, a company will say, could you pray in front of everybody? And, you know, they may say, like, let's dedicate this building to God. And it's like, we dedicate this building to God and His glory, and may people come here and find whatever they're looking for, and, and all right, let's go eat. And once the building's dedicated, then it's like, enjoy the building. Go and let it fulfill its purpose. And this passage would say that a, a child should be dedicated to the Lord at an early age, and then you say, God, I want them to fulfill their purpose. They are dedicated to your glory and your honor. I'm going to train them up in the way they should go. And really, it's saying whatever course they're on, they're going to likely stay on that course. And right now, if you have godly parents, thank God for your godly parents that brought you up in the ways of the Lord. Maybe call them, text them if they're texting, uh, you know, do a visit. Thank them for raising you in the ways of the Lord. Because so many times what's passed on to us by our parents, by godly parents, grows within us. And we see their loving example and we understand God and we start to walk in this faith. And it's saying whatever path they start on, they're going to most likely continue. And it, with the example that Proverbs is really using is about a tree that... If a tree is growing straight, it will most likely grow straight. And if it's starting to grow crooked, stake it up. Get some rope, stake it up so it goes straight. Make sure you're guiding it in the right direction. And in front of our home, we have this beautiful lilac tree. And I'm not that good with, you know, you know landscape stuff. And you know, it started growing crooked. And I thought, well, it's not that bad. And kept growing more crooked and more crooked. And now it's kind of like you know, sideways tree, and it's infringing on the car when you drive by. It's supposed to be straight. And uh, somebody said, you should have staked that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I should have a long time ago. And now the only hope is to dig it up and move it to the backyard where crooked things don't matter. And, <laughs> but it's saying this about uh, a child, that you train them up in the way they should go. And I want to say this, that you've got to start early to train them in this. Uh, don't bring them to the youth pastor and say, fix them. Fix them. I mean, we have an incredible children's ministry here. Bring them to the children's pastor and say, fix them, not the youth pastor. You know, and, and you got to start early. I'm telling you, you got to start early. That's what this scripture is saying. And uh, by the way, we value kids around River Valley Church. If you haven't seen that already, we value children. And uh, if you want to get involved in a ministry that's the heart of what we love around here, get involved in children's ministry and become a volunteer there and help us to have those children uh, grow up in the ways of the Lord. Um, but if they're started right, here's what's going to happen. If you train up your child in the way they should go and you have them there, the training will fight against the seduction of the world. That's what will happen. The training, the world's going to try to get them off course, trying to get them to grow crooked, but the training in godliness is going to fight against that. Um, the scriptures that they have in their mind, the Holy Spirit will be able to bring that to remembrance. 
um, the ability that they know the things of God. It's like knowing great food, and then you go and you eat junk food, and you're craving good food. And when a child is raised in the ways of the Lord, and they go off into sin, it may be fun for a season, but they start craving the things of God because there's something about it that is brought back to the remembrance. And if you think about this, the prodigal son was brought to his senses when he got to rock bottom, and it says he remembered his father's house. He remembered his father's servants. He remembered what he had. He remembered good food. And so there's something about training up a child in the way they should go. And with that being said, it's training them up in their faith, in the faith that uh, God has given to you, that you are imparting to them. It's not in Proverbs, but it's in 3 John 1.4. And the writer of 3 John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And he's saying spiritual children, people that I've led to faith in Christ, it brings me all sorts of joy to know that they're continuing in it. And I will tell you this, any parent that is walking with, with God will have this huge joy that their children love Jesus. They'll have the, it's like the greatest joy, and it should be the greatest joy, and you should do a little self-examining right now if it's not, because it makes me so sad when I see faith on the fringe of a family and not the core of the family. Faith is just kind of like a value add on the side, and, and, and it, it's just off to the side. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Bridges, I forget his first name, uh, he, Charles Bridges, he wrote a commentary on Proverbs that I've been reading, and he said, your faith uh, should not be on the border of the garment where it can be easily cut off. It must be spread throughout the whole garment. And I love that. Don't put your faith on the edge where your kids can just cut it off. Make it all part of your entire life, your everyday. Faith is not just a weekend thing. Faith is not just this hour. It's like our whole life is ruled by our faith in Jesus. He, he permeates everything, all of our decisions, what we do with our money, our time, our talents. Everything revolves around that. I see parents thrilled with home runs, goals scored, dollars earned, grades achieved, and they're bothered by church requirements. They're like, man, do we have to bring our kids? I mean, come on, let's go. And I'll never forget the parents when I was a youth pastor that stood in the back of the room, and man, they had their time. And when they had their time, they're like, they'd do the little snap, and that kid run out. And I'm thinking, seriously, you don't do that to the hockey coach. I guarantee you don't do that. 5 a.m., your kids came and see straight, and they're out there chasing the puck around. 9 p.m., and I love hockey, but come on. It's put your faith all throughout your life. Let it be woven everywhere so your kids just can't cut it out. It's part of everything. And I want you to be more excited about your child's salvation than their earning potential. More excited about your child's salvation than their earning potential. Now, as you train them in their faith, there's a couple significant moments. Um, I believe a, a child dedication is very appropriate. That's something we practice around River Valley Church. We uh, have child dedications where you stand before the congregation. You say, we want to raise our child in the ways of the Lord. Um, you may say, we have older children. It'd be very appropriate to talk to your campus pastor and have a private dedication right after service. You say, no, we don't want to embarrass the kids. They're 8, 10, whatever. We never did that, but we want to do that. Just have a private moment at the altar. You could do that and dedicate them unto the Lord. Um, if they're younger and you're having this dedication moment, I would videotape that. 
I would, you know, enlist somebody in the family to make sure that there's a video record so you could show your child you were dedicated to God. We said you were for his glory and for his honor and let that mark that child and be a moment. I think their personal baptism where they say it's my faith. It's my faith now, and I desire to be water baptized. And as a rule of thumb at River Valley Church, we say at about age seven, we think children understand that. So we leave it up to the parents. If you believe your child has a personal faith in Jesus Christ, you get to make the decision as their parent when they're water baptized. So you work with them. But we kind of, as a rule of thumb, say around age seven, we think they fully understood the faith decision that they made. But if you say, my six-year-old gets it, we will water baptize your six-year-old. And uh, we really respect you as parents. There's a marking moment when they start to read the Bible for their own. How many know how exciting that is when they want to read the Bible? It's a marking moment in their life and in their spiritual development where you read the Word of God to them and then they start to hunger after the Word of God themselves. Matter of fact, um, I love the way that our junior Bible quiz teams uh, are memorizing the Word of God and huge shout out to the Shakopee campus. Out of over 2,000 teams in America, our team finished 44th in only their second year. Yeah, pretty cool. One of the parents said to me, like, it was the, it's like the proudest moment I've ever had watching my child, you know, and then he said, it's amazing watching them in JBQ, and then all of a sudden in real life, they're like, this is what that question is about, and connecting the dots, man, that's a, a marking moment. That's just something that happens. Um, when your child gives their own money, and uh, they're like, man, I want to give to the things of God, when they go on a global team, when they go on their, when they go through a storm of life and own their faith, how many know that's just a moment as a parent, you're like, all right, they're getting it, all right? If you've started and they've wandered away, let me just talk about that for a, a moment. Pray and don't give up. Pray and don't give up. Go back to that proverb. Man, they were raised in the ways of the Lord. Lord, let those scriptures just be brought to remembrance. Let every sermon they ever heard be brought to remembrance. Let every object lesson, every song that they ever sang, let it bring back to remembrance how good it is in the house of God. And I would tell you to pray so desperate. Pray desperate. I think about Moses when God was angry with the Israelites and he's like, I want to wipe them out and start over with you. And Moses was like, if you're going to wipe them out, wipe me out. I'm saving them. We are in this together. Man, I, I just feel like you should have that desperate, like, God, I want to get there with my kids. Please, God, I want to get there with my kids. And we agree with you. We pray with you. Say, God, help their kids to come back to the faith that they were raised in. All right, you can't read Proverbs um, without talking about discipline. All right? How many know, if you read Proverbs as a family, your kids are going to think Solomon had something out for them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, man, this guy. But let me just read a few. These are just a few, and then we'll talk about discipline. Uh, Proverbs 13, 24. Whoever spares the rod hates their children. Think about it. Hates. doesn't say just is doing them bad. It says hates them. But the one, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. It says you are an accomplice to the crime. Proverbs 22, 15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Proverbs 23, 13 through 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with the rod, they will not die. Punish them with the rod and save them from death. 
Proverbs 29, 15, a rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces its mother. Now, there's many ways to discipline here, okay? I want to tell you, there's many ways to discipline. And even in that last passage that I read, the rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, okay? So I want to tell you that there's many different ways that are mentioned in the Bible, Timeouts could be used, removal of privileges, stern looks. How many know that a stern look can do a lot with your kids? How many know that there's an ability that if your kid is misbehaving and they are within eyesight with you, it's almost like Jedi, Jedi mind tricks. You're like, I am staring at you and I am not happy. And all of a sudden your kid would be like, Dude. <laughs> you know, how many know? So there's something about a stern look. Um, there's something about lectures. There's something about uh, a SWAT. And there's something even about spankings if done appropriately. Now, I will tell you this. There's a lot of fear. And even as I talk to people about this, even reading these Proverbs and talking about this topic, there was kind of like, oh, right. But I'm going to tell you this. It's there. It's in the Bible. Um, it's there. And I will tell you a few guidelines about spanking. Um, it should never be with a closed fist. It's not punching. It's not hitting. It's administering discipline. I believe that it should be either done with an open hand or something that an instrument like a, a wooden spoon, you know, again, not like a, a tree branch or something, all right? Uh, and a funny story, my mom used to spank us with a wooden spoon, and one day she came home and all the wooden spoons were broken. <laughs> my brother Rick had like snapped them all in half, you know, he thought, that'll stop her, you know, but so I'm just telling you, okay, so again, this is what's there, and I will tell you, it is legal to spank in every state in America, but according to social services, every state handles it differently. But I'm going to give you some guidelines. Um, it's for willful defiance and disobedience. It's not for just like any old moment. It's for willful defiance and disobedience. I believe it should be done together as parents. I believe one of the things that my dad was a master sergeant in the military, Master Sergeant in the military. And he was like, boys, do you know what you've done? And how many know they have my mom there? She's like, Bob, chill out, okay. My mom was a very passionate person. And having my dad, who was very level, uh, calmed her down. And together, it was a great you know, compliment. It's very clear in all the states that talk about it that if it leaves a mark, it's not discipline, it's actually abuse. Okay, so let's be very clear. We're not talking about smacking someone in the head. We're not talking about taking your belt off and smacking them across. We're not talking about that. We're talking about administered to the rear end where there's extra padding, okay, under control, uh, no more than just a couple spankings. If you are telling them what they did wrong, that's out of control. That's wrong. All the guidelines talk about two or three swats. That's it, okay? Um, Never in a moment of anger and never, uh, I would say, in private, okay? I would say in private, never in public. I can remember my parents would say, you want me to pull this car over? You know, in today's day and age, again. And I will tell you this, uh, the church will not be mad at you if you're saying, well, we're going to use timeouts, withholding privileges, doing this. We are not going to involve the spanking. We're not going to be mad at you. I'm just reading to you what the Proverbs say. And I understand with social services, I understand what's going on. And it varies by state to state. And I will tell you this, um, based on the social workers in your society and your community, based on uh, the values of your community, um, and also based on the expression of your faith will be the degree to which you might be having someone come after you. Does that make sense? All right, and I'm just letting you know that if you're going to raise your child by the book of Proverbs, the best state to do that in is North Carolina. Just letting you know, all right? Just letting you know. I checked it out, so...
All right, but I want to let you know this about the rod because if you say, well, it says there to spank and all this, but if you remember when we did the series on being a shepherd, okay, we talked about thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They're different things. The rod was used for discipline. The staff was uh, used for other things, for care and for rescue. But the rod was actually used, if a sheep was misbehaving, the rod was used as force of pressure on the side of the sheep. So to me, when it says, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child, it's not only talking about a spanking or something like that. I think it's talking about discipline in the whole. And it's saying, make sure that there are guidelines. If there are no guidelines on your children, you're ruining your children. Make sure that, you know, sometimes the shepherd would throw the rod near the sheep, not to hit the sheep, it would be right by them, but the sound of the discipline going by would get their attention. And so I think there's certain things. It's okay to say the middle name. It's okay to give the stern look. It's okay to use that rod of correction in different ways. And just, we're not just talking spanking here, all right? And... Um, so the, the shepherd would do this. And so there's, again, there's many guidelines. We're for timeouts. We use timeouts. We withheld privileges. Um, you know, uh, when our kids swore, uh, we were old school and uh, did the soap in the mouth. First, first swear word was grace, okay? We're like, where did you learn that? Uh, Johnny, you know, and we're like, okay, we don't say that in this household. If you say that again, you're going to get your, in trouble. You're going to get your mouth washed out with soap. And they're like, really? Yeah. And, you know, and so then the second one was soft soap. And I did see this, that again, in another state, I think it was Florida, uh, a person lost their child uh, for doing soft soap in the mouth. But again, North Carolina is good with soft soap. So I'm just saying, you know. Um, but my mom did a little, little squirt of soft soap. We don't use that word in our household. And I'm going to tell you this, after one taste of it, I was cured. And, uh, but I'm just letting you know that there's it's the rod. It's, it's really more correction. It's saying you have an obligation to discipline and to guide, and you're responsible before God. And I just, again, very clear, in no way, shape, or form are we ever saying that you are to punch, hit, or abuse your child. It should be any type of discipline that would be uh, physical punishment. Again, administer to the rear end, uh, private, two to three, uh, not in anger, with your spouse there, um, and here's a very important thing. If you cannot reconnect with your child after you've done discipline, you've done discipline probably wrong, okay? After every discipline moment with our child, with our children, um, we would reconnect, we would hug them, and we would let them know, this is why this happened. You broke a rule. You were willingly defiant. This is the penalty. You knew that, and now, you know, we'd administer it, and then we'd say, do you understand? Yep, and then we'd reconnect. We love you. And there was a reconnecting there. And I can tell you this, our children turned out really good. We're very, very proud of them. And uh, somebody said, you should write a parenting book. And I said, now that they're not teenagers, we have the green light to do it. So, uh, but the Bible says if you're not disciplining, you're actually really abusing your child. As strange as it would seem, the world would say, let them do whatever they want. And if you're disciplining them, you're abusing them. And God says, if you're not disciplining them, you're abusing them. If you're not making sure that they turn out the right direction, you're abusing them. You're like a doctor that won't tell somebody they have a terminal disease. Wow. You're like an accountant that won't tell you you're out of money and lets you keep going into debt. You're like a cop that looks the other way when a crime is being committed. And could you imagine if you were being mugged and a cop walked by and was like, whatever. You know, and let, you'd be like, what are you, what, why are you not disciplining this person? And it's really giving that same thought. 
And um, over and over again, it's start early, start early. And when people say to me, what was one of the keys? I would say it was starting early, starting early, starting early. I'll give you one other tip um, on this. Uh, if you're ever going to count for your children, how many know, hey, I'm going to count to three. You better do this. I'm going to give you a tip. Uh, I would just give you this tip. Count three, two, one. Don't ever go one, two, three, because there's always a three and a half, four, five, six. You can always count up. But when you go, I'm going to count to three. Three, two, one. See, you know what I'm saying? And usually by the time two was hit, they were like, we have one number left. And they were moving. So I'm just giving you a little parenting tip there. Um, let me talk to you this about being too stern. Um, discipline is medicine, according to Proverbs. It's not food. Discipline is medicine. It's not food. Okay? Discipline is not what nourishes you. It's what kills the disease. It's what corrects the bad behavior. Too much discipline hardens the heart. It causes, it's almost like pouring poison on your lawn and expecting your grass to grow. You nourish your children with love, kind words, touch, hugs, daily conversation, prayers for them. And if I could say there's the person that does no discipline, just like, oh, they're just kids, let them do whatever they want, you know, and I'm not, I'm too tired, I can't get up, I'm going to let them do. That person is neglecting, but the person that's always like, here, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, you're not doing it, now get your rule. And if you start living like that, Again, you've taken weed killer and you'll kill everything. You'll kill everything and you'll harden their heart and it'll lead to trouble. I will give you just, uh, again, a couple of things that work for us children. Uh, I will tell you this, a um, couple of things real quick with, with children and then I'll tell you some things that work for us. Um, Proverbs 3, 1 through 6, which is where our theme verse is. Um, I won't read it, but it talks about don't forget my teachings and it says, put them in your heart and bind them on your neck. And I'll tell you this to the children here. Uh, I'd say you're probably a teenager and otherwise you'd be in kids' church. But to the children that are here, I tell you, the, the writer of Proverbs is saying, if your parents are giving you a, a faith example, if they're telling you about their faith in Jesus, there's a day you need to bind it on your heart and it needs to become your faith. It needs to become your faith. And it's saying, bind it on your heart own your own faith and have it be there in your heart. And the second thing it says is bind it on your neck. Now I would tell you this to children. Proverbs would say, if it's in your heart, put it on your neck, show it off. Don't be ashamed of your faith in Jesus Christ. The world would say, keep your faith down. It's okay if it stays in church on Sunday. It's not to be lived out every day. And Proverbs would say, if it's in your heart, put it on your neck, show it off. It's good, it works. It should be displayed. And it's interesting. Our theme versed in this, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight, is right after the writer of Proverbs has been talking to children. It's really a proverb written to children. So I'd say have the faith in your heart, bind it on your neck, and then trust God. Trust God. The people that love God, trust God. And if you're a child, learn to trust God. All right, what works for us? Very quickly, a couple of tips. I shared this last week about marriage, and a bunch of people really liked it. So I'll give you a couple of things with parenting. You heard about our discipline, but I'll tell you a couple other things. I would tell you, use up all your vacation. Use up all your vacation. Your workplace gave you vacation. Use up all your vacation. You say, I can't use it at my work. They won't let us have it. I'd find a new job. 
I'm just telling you, I'd find a new job. It's more important that you have a job where you can use up your vacation than you're slave to the job. Um, once a quarter, we gave our kids something to look forward to. Could be as simple as we're going to go spend the weekend at grandma and grandpa's. But every quarter, we gave our children something to look forward to because the Bible also says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Someday never comes around. So we always set the date for here's where we're going to go to grandma's. Here's where we're going to go uh, on that trip. Here's where we're going there. And we always gave them something to look forward to. We had marking moments. At age 10, it was their double-digit birthday. They got to choose a, a trip within the Midwest. At age 13, I had people, I had men speak into both of our boys' lives, tell them a godly trait in their life and a warning for their life. It was an amazing night. And then we prayed for our boys when they turned 13. Um, we went on a family missions trip. We tried to have marking moments throughout their life that made a, uh, an impact on them. We disciplined them early. We really did. The teenage years really were a breeze because we started early. We established the order of the home and the kids went along with it. It was really a joy for them to be teenagers. And the last thing I'd say is this, is Becca and I have been deeply in love with each other and have expressed that affection in front of the kids. And that has brought serious, uh, you know, where they're like, oh, mom, dad, you know, stop kissing. <laughs> but then they said later, like, it made us feel good that you two love each other. This made, it made us feel good that we knew that bond was strong and it really brought peace to our home. And so see, these are some of the things that made it work for us. And so I'd say this about Proverbs. Proverbs is amazing. Before Google, there was Proverbs. And I think if I could summarize what it says about parenting, um, Proverbs would say, listen, son, to what I'm saying. It's better than Google. It's before Google. I believe that's what Proverbs would say. And it would say, if you apply this, man, your life will turn out so good if you apply what the Word of God has to say. So, Lord, I just pray right now for parents right now. I pray that you'd help them, help them to raise their children in the ways of the Lord, help children to be obedient. And if there's wayward children, God, I pray right now that they come back home to the way they were raised. Thank you, God, for the wisdom that's in your Word. Help us to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen.